Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Morning, Project Church. How are y'all doing today? You know, I told you to say that you're expecting something, but how many in here are actually expecting something? You know, last week we were talking about training faith. We're in the middle of a series called Ridiculous Faith, and this idea of ridiculous faith is an essential for us in 2021. And so last week, Caleb talked about training faith. So he put his trainer hat on and even had his brother on the video where they were boxing and stuff because Caleb's form was not quite at Luke's form, but he ended up saying that we are training faith. Babe, I'm just joking. You have great form. We took a title class on Friday. Great job. Okay, he told me to just stop saying this stuff, so I'm going to stop now. And so anyways, we're training our faith. We were understanding the building blocks, the foundation of faith and trying to activate in our lives. But now we're moving on to a coaching faith. So I don't know how many people here have ever played any sports. Okay. How many people are here have had a vocal coach because you took music lessons or musical or vocal? Okay. So we all understand what it's like to have a coach. And this morning I am going to give you um, the best coach you've ever had in your life. And that's the Holy Spirit. But God gave me a word through the Holy Spirit. So this morning I'm coaching you on your faith. And whenever I've thought about any of the coaches in my life, the ones that I actually liked and the ones that actually encouraged me, I recognize that they were our greatest cheerleader. They were my greatest cheerleader. And what I also expected was for them to give me direction. I also knew that they knew what it was like for me to train under them so they knew what was possible because of my training. This morning, as your coach through the Holy Spirit, I want to let you know that anything is possible in your life with the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that today? Anything is possible. Somebody say anything is possible. Close your eyes and think about the thing that you are expecting God to move in in your life, the thing that you're wanting him to repair, the thing that you're wanting him to provide, the thing that you're wanting him to move in. And I want you to say, God, today, in your heart, in your spirit, God, today, I want to have ridiculous faith and trust that anything is possible through the Holy Spirit. All right. You got it in your mind? You can open your eyes. Some of you are really meditating on this, but come on, we got a word today. And so let's review this idea and concept of faith real quick by turning to Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. This is the chapter of faith. A lot of people call this the hall of faith, and it says this in verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Remember, hope is the fuel to our faith, the conviction of things not seen. We believe in things that we can't see because we trust in an unseen God. Amen? But he shows up. Verse 2, for by the people of old, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. For by faith, through faith, the people of old received their commendation. What is commendation? Commendation is approval, affirmation, the A-OK, the high five, the hands raised, the emoji that is a thumbs up. That is commendation from the Holy Spirit. That's commendation from God our Father when we have faith. When you read Hebrews 11, 
Again, like I said, a lot of people call it the Hall of Faith, but what I think we have to be careful of in this day and age is not to confuse what we know as the Hall of Fame with the Hall of Faith. They are vastly different. The difference between Hall of Faith and Hall of Fame is important for us to understand because in a culture that celebritizes, I'm making up words this morning, celebritizes different religious leaders, different people with great thoughts, different even pastors, we've got to be careful that we don't activate our faith to be fame. There's a major difference between the hall of faith and the hall of fame. This morning I want us to understand that we need to guard ourselves from the thinking patterns of this world. The hall of fame, in the hall of fame, someone is recognized for what he or she accomplishes in his or her own strength. In the Hall of Fame, there's a list of achievements that one has deserved. Athletes get MVPs, they get Player of the Year, they get, you know, different awards, titles, etc. And in the Hall of Fame, one is commended by man. But when we go to the Hall of Faith, we recognize that someone is recognized for what God did for them. The Hall of Faith lists that what someone received from God. Abraham, he received power. Isaac and Jacob, he received promises. Sarah received power to conceive. Noah received safety. He received righteousness because of his faith. When we understand the hall of faith, we are listing not achievements, but what we've received from Jesus. And finally, in the fall, uh, the fall, the hall of faith, one is commended by God. There's a difference being commended by God and being commended by man. We want the commendation of God our Father. If we're not careful, we start making this about my faith journey, mine, my faith, my understanding, my prayer, my amount of faith. And then our faith becomes all about our achievements and appearances rather than God's provision and his power. So we have to go into this idea of being in the hall of faith. That, that's our goal. We want to be commended by God, not for our fruitfulness. God is not going to reward us for our fruitfulness and productivity and all the achievements. No, he's going to reward us for our faithfulness. Are there people in this room who are full of faith? I think even by you being here this morning, by you tuning in today online, God is commending you for your faith. God is commending you. If our ridiculous faith is focused on impressing man and impressing others, then everything that we believe for will be limited to our own earthly human power. But if our ridiculous faith is focusing on, focusing on impressing God, then anything we believe for is actually possible. Anything is possible with God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do anything apart from Christ. Anything is possible when the audience that we are working for and serving for and living for is of one, God and God alone. So I want to encourage you today to have a faith that impresses the audience of one. Today we're going to be looking at a man whose faith impressed God, who impressed Jesus in the flesh. And this individual um, was a centurion Roman soldier. And he was not necessarily a God-fearing man, but he had faith that caused God 
to move. So somebody in this place is thinking, man, I need to get to a certain level in my faith. I have to be in faith for a certain amount of time. I have to be the right person. I have to be with the right people. I have to be surrounded by the right people in order for God to move in my life. And God is just simply saying, have faith. Have faith. Be faithful. Be faithful to me. In this text that I'm about to read, we're reminded that God is pleased by our faith. And his impressions of us is determined by our faith in him. Actually, in Mark 6 um, is another time. There's two times in the New Testament where God is, um, is amazed by a certain kind of faith. In Mark 6, he's in his hometown and different people are being critical of him because he's come back to his hometown and he's ministering and everyone's just like, who does this carpenter's son think that he is? He's just trying to do all these miracles and saying that he's like the son of God and they're just being super critical. And Jesus responds to these people by saying he's amazed by their faithlessness. But then in the scripture I'm about to read in Luke, he's amazed by a centurion, a non-Jew, a Gentile, he's amazed by the faith of this man. By the faith. Your faith will determine God's please, his, his pleasure with you. It says in uh, Hebrews 11 that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so let's be the kind of church that believes God that believes in him and in his word and in his word alone and let's live for him. And when we live for him and when we choose to have ridiculous faith in him and him alone, then we'll be pleasing to him and then he'll perform miracles. Let's read about how he was, how he, he was impressed by one man in Luke 7, 1 through 10. If you have your Bibles, open them up. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy of you to come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at them. He was amazed by them and other translations he was impressed by them he marveled at them and turning to the crowd that followed him said i tell you not even in israel have i found such faith and then those who had been sent returned to the house and they found that the servant was well let's pray god we love you this morning and we thank you for who you are and trust you to speak to us in this moment. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us and allow the faith in our hearts to rise so that we can see you move in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to answer the question, how does my ridiculous faith impress Jesus? First, it impresses Jesus when we become desperate. Somebody say desperate. Verse 2 says, now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. 
you're thinking, well, of course he's desperate. He has somebody that um, is near him and is a part of his life that is close to death. And I know many of you would be desperate. I think many of us would be desperate if that was the case for us. But I think what we have to really recognize is that second, he's desperate because the servant was someone who was highly valued by him. A lot of us aren't in seasons where we are super desperate, especially in America. I can't say that we're as desperate as I think some other countries might be. You might be thinking, but COVID, no, 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 we're still living in America, people, okay? Just a reminder. But I want you to understand that the things that we become desperate for are not about the situations that are surrounding us necessarily, but sometimes it's because of someone that we care for deeply. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you desperately prayed to God? I'm willing to bet it was when something or someone close to you was, you know, hanging in the balance or was going through something really difficult where, you know, but it, it had nothing to do necessarily with a situation but had to do with a person that you valued, right? Well, I want you to understand that there's, there's moments in our Christian walks where we're just going about day after day and we're like, well, nothing super desperate is really happening. I'm pretty healthy. The people around me are healthy. Life is good. Church is open, kind of. And, you know, there's all these things happening in my life. It's good. And we're like, I don't need to get desperate. I need to just coast. I just need to maintain. And God is saying, no, I don't need you to maintain. I need you to get desperate. Because whether you are desperate for your life, there's people all around you. There's people in this world that are desperate for a touch from me. And if we're not desperate for them, then they will not come to know Jesus. We need to get to the point where our desperation is not just about us. It's about the people that we value. Now, I want you to start thinking about the people in your life who are not saved and that you have not gotten desperate enough for. And this is not to, like, condemn you or shake your finger at you. We get comfortable. We all get comfortable. Some of us have gotten super comfortable even in COVID. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I have space with people. I don't have to see anybody ever anymore, so I'm not even going to check in with anybody. I just want to encourage you that... We need to get desperate. We need to get desperate whether our life is ending or having a hard, if we're having a hard time or not, there are people desperate that Jesus are trying to, is trying to open our eyes to so that we can pray for them and so that they can come to saving knowledge of who he is. Let's get desperate. Our prayer life needs to start getting a little bit more desperate. If you're wondering what you're actually valuing in your life or if you want to really have a metric to how desperate you are, think about the last few prayers that you prayed even in this week. If we looked at some of the prayers in this room here, I think the impact that we would have on this world is a really good, blessed meal. Come on. The last prayer you prayed was probably on breakfast this morning or dinner last night. And I, I'm guessing it wasn't that desperate. Or... Some of us are just praying that we get from point A to point B, even though 99.9% .9 of the time you're going to get to your destination safe. Or I'm wondering if some of us are just praying for a good day. If those are the only prayers that we are praying, I'm wondering if Sacramento would be impacted by us if we stopped praying. Let's get to the point that we are praying desperate prayers for the souls of this city, for the souls in our family, for the souls in this nation, for the souls in our church. Let's get desperate. 
How does my ridiculous faith impress Jesus when it becomes desperate? And number two, when we decide to decrease. Somebody say decrease. Decrease. Luke 7, 3, it says this. When the centurion heard from Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. Now, I want you to think about the centurion man. He's a Roman soldier who's more like a commander-in-chief of the army. He's someone who has um, gained success and is intelligent enough to attain this position. He has much influence, and because he has much influence, he also probably has a lot of resource. And so when I think about this man, I wonder if he is so desperate to decrease himself to asking religious leaders, even though he had all the earthly power, if he was ready to ask religious leaders, was he desperate enough to finally ask somebody for help? You know, I, how many people have a hard time asking for directions? How many people just have a hard time asking questions? I mean, I, sometimes it depends on who I'm asking the question to, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I want them to think that I know what I'm doing, and so I'm not going to ask a question. That is pride, just FYI. And, and I think some of us just don't get to a point where we're desperate enough to ask a question, so we just remain unhelped because we don't ask. It says in the word, ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. How many of us need to start decreasing ourselves and just asking for help? When we have the power of the universe, we have all access to him. We can boldly approach the throne of grace, yet we still don't ask for help. Yet we still don't ask people who God has put into our lives for help. Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? Perhaps it's because we have increased in our lives and he has decreased. What the centurion man did was he had faith enough to decrease himself. When you decrease, when you decrease yourself, you lead yourself into a point of desperation. That's what God wants of us. It's a big deal to ask for help. And this centurion man who had it all, who had it all, all seemingly asked for help. Eugene Peterson, he says this, Christian spirituality, the temp contemplative life, is not about us. It is about God. The great weakness of American spirituality is that it is full and all about us. Fulfilling our potential, getting the blessings of God, expanding our influence, finding our gifts, getting a handle on principles by which we can get an edge over the competition. The more there is of us, the less there is of God. Church, can we be a church that's not about project church, but we're about the miracles of God and we're about the one who is the source of it all? Can we be a church that is so desperate for God that we don't care even how great the building is, even though the building is that great, but we are so desperate for God to move in the people, not the building, but the people and the hearts of the people who meet in the building and then online? Can we be so desperate for God? Can we decrease ourselves so that we are tuned to the needs of those around us and no longer just what we can get or what we can provide, but what we can give and who we can impact in the name of Jesus? Can we be that kind of church? The ridiculous faith that we have, not for the needs of us, but for the needs of the community. Church, let's be a church of faith that decreases itself. So how does my ridiculous faith impress Jesus when it becomes desperate, when we decide to decrease, and when we recognize our identity, our identity 
man, people in the church, we're always having identity issues. You heard about Caleb the other day, the message he preached? We look at the mirror and we leave the mirror and we forget what we look like. We're always having identity issues and we've got to get this right. But watch this, Luke 7, 4 through 5, it says this. And when they came to Jesus, the, the people that the centurion sent, they pleaded with Jesus earnestly saying, he is worthy, the centurion, this soldier, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. Now what's so hilarious to me about this is that there are people in the centurion's life who is trying to tell Jesus what he should do. How many people are telling Jesus what he should do? And what he should be doing for the people's lives around us. Here's the, here's the truth of the matter. God's intention is for him to give to you. God's intention is for him to heal those. God's intention is great for us. And, and some of us are sometimes waiting for people to tell God what we need. And we need to recognize that it's not what people are telling us. Listen, the people were telling Jesus, this man is worthy of what you can do for him. He loves our nation. He does this. He gave to the church. He gave to the Believe Again campaign. He made Project Church happen by giving. He, he did all these things. And some of us are listening to the people who are telling us that we deserve things. When, in fact, our identity first, I know this is going to, some of us might flip a lid because we're used to hearing some really great messages that tickle our ears, you know, or we nibble on some Instagram posts that tell you that you are awesome and you have a great purpose to fulfill. But listen, don't surround yourself by people who only tell you good things about yourself. No, duh, we're all worthy. Uh, uh, we're not, no, 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 we're not all worthy. We are not all worthy. The, what we do is not make us more worthy. He alone is worthy. So some of these people talking to the centurion, talking to Jesus for the centurion man, is saying he did this, he gave this, he came to church this many times, he's friends with us, he's nice to the Jews, like you should do this for him. No, no. And I, I just want to warn you all that people are trying to tell you who you are based on their positive remarks. But you need to understand who you are. Let me remind you. I know it's going to go a little against the grain here, but let me remind you who you are. You're nothing without Jesus. Isaiah 64, 6 says that you are but filthy rags. John 15, 5 says that I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from him, you are nothing. Romans 3.23, but for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some of us are just feeling like we're walking in our Instagram influence. People are raving about our verses that we're posting. People are telling us that we are so lit and we are fire and all these emojis. But truly, we're trying to steal the glory where only glory belongs to him and him alone. When we decrease ourselves, we walk in humility, and in humility, we learn who we actually are. I'm not saying that we're not empowered. I'm not saying that we, we don't attain righteousness through Christ. That happens, but we have got to get to the place where we understand who we are. And even if people are telling us what we deserve or what we're worthy of, we know who we are, and we're just going to submit to God and hear from him and him alone about our identity. But don't get it wrong. 
I'm not telling you to walk in self-deprecation. We get to the point where we walk in self-deprecation, which leads us away from our desperation. Beware of your desperation becoming just what you lack and not what God can actually provide. If we walk in self-deprecation, we limit who God is. But we need to walk in humble confidence in who he is. Amen? All right. Well, next and finally, how does my ridiculous faith impress Jesus? It impresses him when we become desperate. It impresses him when we decide to decrease, when we recognize our identity. And finally, when we designate true authority. Verse 7 says this, Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. This is a centurion. He sent some more people to Jesus because he knew that Jesus was almost at his house. But he said, I didn't presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. He said, again, I'm not worthy of you coming into my home. I'm not worthy of you being under my roof. So just say the word and you can be and then heal my servant. For verse 8, for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it. Listen, the centurion understood authority. He understands where the power actually exists. And you know where he learned this? I want I want to give you just a little bit of practical advice that authority that's set up here on earth is authority that we can learn to honor so that we can learn to honor God and trust authority. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, whatever, you know, the or organization looks like or wherever God's placed you, learn to understand where authority actually comes from and how to submit to that. When we become an honoring people, we understand authority and can walk in the God-given authority when we walk in order. That's just a little practical piece. But I also want you to understand that the centurion knew that all it took for Jesus was to say a word, just to say a word. He didn't say, okay, God, I want you to come to my house. I want you to take off your sandals. I want you to come here. I want you to lay hands. I want you to do all these things, all these steps. And I wonder if we are praying prayers, expecting God to come through the way we want him to come through. And Jesus is reminding us in this scripture and is reminding us through the faith of the centurion that he holds all power and authority, that we don't have to do things the way we want him to do. He's going to do things in the way he can do things, and he will do things in such a way that will produce power outside of the way that we could have organized or orchestrated on our own. So the centurion understood authority. He said, Jesus, just say the word. You don't have to even be in here. And some of us are saying, well, I am only going to experience Jesus at church if they sing that one song I listened to on K-Love. <laughs> if they sing Oceans and they really wrap it up with the drums and the cymbals and the full harmonies, and then I'll really feel the presence of Jesus. We try to orchestrate things and make things turn out a certain way so that we can experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit and we think that we can orchestrate his authority but no it's just by the word just by his word that his authority exists by one word he can come through for you 
one way he can come through. He can come through for you when you are on your knees, desperate and decreased, and you're asking Jesus in your privacy of your room, and you just call out to him. He will heal that marriage. He will provide that job. He will provide that spouse. He will do what he wants to do in your life if we could just get desperate, and if we could just decrease, and if we can stop trying to say how he's going to move in our lives. Let's just trust him to do his thing with his authority. And you know what it requires, I believe, of us? I'm not trying to give you a to-do list. Do you, do you recognize that all these points have more to do with us posturing ourselves, not something that you can be able to check off on a list, okay? But I want you to understand that the degree to which we give God control in our lives is the degree to which we will experience him in our lives. Here's the thing, if we, we, to the degree that we give him charge over life versus the degree to which we have charge over our lives, the gap between those two, that will determine the amount of power that we have in our lives. So we gotta close that gap up. And what I mean by closing that up is by just giving God all lordship over our lives. In two different scriptures, in Matthew and in Luke, it talks about the centurion who was a Gentile, who wasn't one who was a religious man necessarily, but he called Jesus Lord through his friends that he sent to Jesus twice. I think people in this room will experience a greater relationship and faith in God when we finally give him complete control. When we say you are in total, complete charge of my life, you're the Lord. You're not just the savior of my soul. You are the Lord of my life. You have all authority in my life. When we can give him that authority back in our lives, then we will walk in great authority and power in our lives. And when we do, I want you to understand that Ephesians 3.20 will take place. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He can do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or think according to his power at work in you. So give him all that control. Give him all that authority. Because here's the thing, we are limited. He is limited by the amount of faith that we have. Listen, God is limitless, he has limitless power, but it's impossible to please him without faith. So we've got to have the faith, the faith even of, the mustard, of a mustard seed, even the faith of a mustard seed for him to work and operate. And so what's, it, what's that mean for us? Well, here's the good news, that God wants to intervene in your life. He has that intention. He has divine intention to move in our lives, to provide and to heal and to resurrect and to reform and to correct and to reprove. 
and to give and to pour out. That is a divine intention. And he wants to do it abundantly, more than you could ever ask or think. But what happens with our faith is human intervention, where we say, okay, God, I know this is your intention. I know this is your divine intention from heaven to give me all the riches that are in heaven. And I have the inheritance of Christ. I have access to all of it, but not until our faith and that human intervention comes in, will we experience an outpouring from heaven in our lives so can we believe for that today can we believe in ridiculous faith that God will do exceedingly more and abundantly than we could ever ask for I'm telling you right now anything is possible anything is possible close your eyes what were you thinking about in the beginning of the service what was that one thing that you were asking God for, that you even for a moment were desperate for? And then when I got to that point, you were like, actually, no, I'm way more desperate about this. I'm more desperate about this person. I'm more desperate for you to move in these areas. What are those areas? Because God wants to do something even now in this room, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is wanting to do something. As we have opened up the word, he wants to do something in your heart and your mind and in your situation on your behalf because he loves you because he's a good god because he pours out and he lavishes so much on his people that is the character of our god and i want to have faith and a god who wants to pour out who has great intention for us who wants the best for us so god i pray right now for every thought in these individuals' hearts and minds, either in the room or online. God, you're wanting to move on those situations. You're wanting to move in those areas where they are reminding themselves by your spirit to persevere and to be patient and to wait or to step out in faith. God, you are giving some people right now, I believe that you're giving some people some downloads on what I should do next. God, I pray that you would increase the faith in their hearts to go ahead and step out and believe you for more. God, I pray that you would just do something in our hearts that are that's inexplicable, that we know we couldn't have gotten if we didn't come to church or hear the word today. It's not about Project Church. It's about the word, which is the Bible, and it's our message, and God, it's our guide. So Jesus, I pray right now that you would release Release faith in this room. Release faith in these situations. Release faith in our hearts and minds. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to do what I said earlier, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He's no longer just the Savior of your soul, not only the person who gave you breath in your lungs, but he's the one who has become Lord of your life. And today, after hearing this message, you are saying, I want to know him more than ever before. I want to submit to him. I want to trust him. I want to obey him. I want to follow him all the days of my life. I don't want to deter from him because I know that a life deterred from him is a life without the fullness and abundance of the blessing that only he can provide. Because I know apart from him, I am not Nothing. I'm someone with Jesus. I hold his righteousness. If that's you in this room and you want to commit your life to Jesus, you want to know him more, you want to know him better than you knew him yesterday, if that's you in this room, I know he's speaking to your hearts. He's increasing the faith in your heart to even raise your hand when I count to three in three seconds. I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hands. No one's looking around. I'm looking around because I want to pray for you. But if you want to ask Jesus into your life, you want to make him the Lord of your life, raise your hand in three seconds. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. Church, we are rejoicing right now because of the names 
and the people who made a decision for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. So would you help me pray with all those who raised their hands, so many of you. And give me a moment, one more moment. If you're like, man, I, I think I have a little bit more faith. Didn't quite raise my hand. Come on, raise your hand now. If that's you and you wanted to raise your hand, would you raise your hand? Amen, I see that hand. Amen, I see you, I see you. Amen. Come on, pray with me, church. Thank you, Jesus. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me here today. I accept you into my life, not just as the Savior of my soul, but as the Lord of my life. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died and rose again, that I might have life. I confess my need of you. I know I'm nothing without you. I need you, Jesus. So come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Bring me people who will help me on this faith journey and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's rejoice. We rejoice because Jesus changed lives. He changed legacy. He changed trajectories in people's lives. Why don't we stand? And we're going to sing this song. But if you raise your hand for the first time, I want you to be reminded that this is the most important decision you could have ever made in your life. So we have some prayer people who are up here, prayer partners that love you and are already saying yes and amen to all you've decided today. So I encourage you to pray with them. If you have any other needs, if you need more faith in your heart and you want to be prayed over, you go to those prayer partners as we sing um, just this last final song to seal what God has done here today. Amen. Come on, sing with us. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.